obviously squeezing the plums. Thank you. If you are a friend or a family member or someone that's come and seen this podcast along the grapevine, the message that these podcasts have got to share with the world on men's health, on the struggles that men potentially go through and how they deal with it, there's nothing else there like it. And, you know, this is actually a day where I've recorded up to now nine podcasts with different guests and, man, it's a lot. It's hard work and it's paying off because the guests are feeling like they're coming and leaving from this almost therapeutically, releasing some of the best information, some of the best lessons and some of their deepest moments that they've personally gone through. So if I could ask for your support, subscribe and follow the the social accounts that are tied to Squeezing the Plums, it makes all the difference to make sure that these voices that are being recorded and, and shown to you don't fall on deaf ears. Now, a lot of these men that have come onto these podcasts have been brave enough to share their story. And today I'm going to share with you mine. My story as to why I got this podcast started, why it means so much to me and where it sort of originates from. And I'm going to take you back to a, a time when I was 16 years old and I had recently got a you know sports scholarship to a private school and my dad was a cab driver, he didn't earn much money and he worked his tits off. He worked so hard, so, so hard to like to get me and my brother through school. And it was one of those relationships where we knew how hard he worked and as a result, he expected that we adhere to certain values. We adhere to a certain way of being no dicking around, be respectful, be a good human, um, you know, don't do things that are against the, the moral or the grain of being a good human. Now, as a 16-year-old, as the eldest um, of, of two, you know, I was always the one that had to lead by example. And it got to a stage where I started at this private school and most of the people there are, you know, pretty financially okay. And we were invited to go on this cricket trip. And this cricket trip was to the UK. So a lot of the kids were like, yep, I'm so keen, I want to do it. And here I am and I'm going, oh God, I really want to go to this. But I know how hard dad is going to have to work and mum is going to have to save to, to make me go. Anyways, I, I go home one night and I go to dad. I said, hey, dad, I said, you know, the, there's a cricket trip coming up and I'd really like to go. Can we go? And dad was like, look, I need to think about it. There's, you know, it's a lot of money. You know, I think at the time it was six or seven grand on top of, you know, the school fees and all the rest of it that they were paying. And... At the end of the day, there's no guarantees on whether he could earn that much money to save up that much money for us to go or for me to go. Anyways, fast forward a month from when I asked him the question and he said, look, you can go, but you can go on one condition. And I'm like, yes, and what's the condition? He's like, don't fuck up. I've given you this opportunity. Go overseas, enjoy yourself. I don't want you to feel like that you've ever missed on any opportunities. 
and I know that there's plenty of uh, plenty of guys that were born in the late 80s and 90s that have parents that are ethnic that probably said those same words. But you know, make them. We wanted to give you the most of this opportunity, but you're not to do anything wrong. And um, I said, "Yep, no worries." Fast forward, um, I end up in the UK and we're playing cricket and all the rest of it. And up until this stage, I'd never done really anything wrong. And uh, a few boys were sneaking out of their apartments to to go get some alcohol. And I decided to join. And part of me, one part of me was like dad's voice, like saying, don't do it. <laughs> and And the other part of me was like, Steve, you actually need to live a little. And it was so conflicting. I was so conflicted. I'm like, do I do it? Don't I do it? What if I get busted? And then I'm like, part of me is like, don't be such a goody two-shoe. Stop being a little bitch. Like, just do it. Who gives a fuck? And anyways, I did it. And we went out and we, we got the drinks. And I remember having a few drinks down the side alley with a few boys. And then we went to bed. It was nothing nothing special it wasn't anything crazy but the guilt i felt the guilt i felt was humongous i don't know why i I know why now but you know it was it was awful two days later there was a separate group of boys and they were what you would call the more popular guys the guys that were pretty cool um everyone liked them at school and i was going to go to the pub with them for a beer and I said, sure. We go there and I get a pint of beer. And that was my first ever beer. And what happened next was, I can't even begin to explain. After that first beer, and we only had one, we were walking back to the dorms and it was literally like, a thunderclap had hit me straight in the back of the head. It was like someone had a baseball bat and just whacked me as hard as they could straight behind the back of my right eye. It was so intense. I couldn't open my eyes. The the, the sun was like almost burning my eyes when I was opening it. The pain was excruciating. I had to look down. I was wobbling all over the joint. But because I was innately growing up quite a shy kid, always wanted to fit in, um, you know, I, I did my best not to try to let anyone know, but it was borderline impossible with that level of pain. I went to that, I went to bed that night wanting to scream at the top of my lungs. And I didn't. The pain subsided. I woke up the next day. And life went on back as normal. What I came to find out, despite going to numerous doctors after that, was that I had suffered what was called a cluster headache. Now, for those that don't know, cluster headaches are incredibly rare. They affect 0.1% of the population. And it is described as the most painful condition that one could go through a nickname for it is suicide headaches and thank god i personally haven't had to experience those feelings but i tell you bloody what 
you know, they have put me into a position where I've had to now go through some pretty interesting treatments and different resorts of treatments to get to the stage where I am today. To give you perspective at home or in the car or wherever you're listening, there was over a few thousand cluster headache patients that did a survey. And in that survey, what they did was they gave people painful events that they'd gone through. And some of those patients had been stabbed. Some of those patients had a headache. Some of those patients had had migraine. They rated that pain out of 10. And so what was really interesting was like a headache, they rated a 3 out of 10. They rated being stabbed, which is you know obviously not a great deal of the population, but as a 5 or a 6 out of 10. People that had gone through pancreatitis, which is incredibly painful, a 7 out of 10. Those that had undergone labor pain, 7.4 out of 10 and then when it came to rating a cluster headache they rated it a 9.7 out of 10 that is literally the definition of torture and over the last 16 to 17 years I have had maybe 7 to 800 episodes of cluster headaches and up until recently, none of, my, none of my mates ever really knew. And it started when I was 16 years old. I begin my work life and I begin my uni life and these headaches would come in waves. They would come 20 or 30 at a time over the course of 20 to 30 days. And then they would go away and I would be like, I must have just been stressed through that period of time or I've tried some medication, it hasn't worked. But the pain is so bad and so debilitating that I have to find a way to get through it. And my ways of getting through it initially was, ironically, coffee. I used to have an abundance of coffee and the pain would go away. Porn, I used to watch porn. I don't know how the fuck that works. Pain would go away. I used to listen to motivational music that gave me the tingles, like if you have that one track or that one song where you're lifting that heavy set in the gym that makes you go and turn into an animal. That helped me remove the pain. But over a number of years, those effects started to subside and the pain continued to come. I used to work as a lifeguard and I used to work around the pool and I used to look down sometimes because the pain was so bad, I just I couldn't look up and, and I didn't want the light to shine into my eyes. It was tough and there, there were some serious moments throughout that time where I I just wanted to, I wanted to bloody cry to be honest with you and I didn't want to show that pain to my parents, I didn't want to show that pain to my friends. I felt that for goodness sake it's probably just a migraine, you know, I'm just being weak but it wasn't and my inability to communicate, my inability to be open meant that I continually dealt with this headache and I just treated it as an enemy. I'm like, when this thing comes on, it's battle between me and that headache. And the headache used to last for, you know, anywhere between one to four hours. So I try to beat the headache and, and knock it out quickly. And some days it would work and some days I'd be rendered on the floor. Fast forward a few years and I'm living in South Yarra. 
I've lived with these headaches now for, you know, 12, 13 years. I've gotten through life okay. Started a small business, um, you know, was able to, you know, go out on dates and do these things. And I had a cluster bout and my roommate at the time was a neurologist. And I remember one day going home and I was, I was having, I was about to have this headache. It used to give me, it used to give me a warning sign that it was coming on. And she looks at me, she goes, what's wrong? And I said, I don't want to talk about it. I just said, I'm going to get a bad headache and I need to, I need to go to this room and I I can't talk to anyone. I can't go to work. Not today. It's too much. It was like 35 degrees outside of Melbourne. It was just too much. Fast forward 12 hours and she goes, what happened? And I said, I get these incredibly horrible headaches. And she goes, are they, are they cluster headaches? I said, I've heard of that before, but I don't think mine are, you know, the doctors have given me medication, nothing's worked. And she, she opened up her neurology textbook and inside that textbook was a, was a, was a photo. And for those that have seen, for those that have seen, um, Batman, there was the guy that was the police officer that had flipped the coin. And when he flips the coin, heads or tails, you, you know, you, you die or survive. And, um, that, that guy had half a face. It was like he'd scratched off half his face. I was burnt in the movie anyways, but in my case, she showed a photo of this guy wanting to rip off literally this half of his face, like rip it off. And you could just see like the skin tearing from the guy's face. And I was like, fuck, that's me. Oh, that's me. It was like, oh my God, finally someone understands what this pain is like. She says, you know, Steve, you need to go get need to go get help and I said I've tried a little bit of help she said you need to get serious help and so on the next time I got a headache I got driven to the hospital for the first time in probably 14 years I'd never gone to hospital for these headaches and it was amazing they gave me oxygen and the the pain went away I was like you're kidding I used to lifeguard and walk around a pool for seven years and I had oxygen everywhere. And I wish I spoke up, but point being was I ended up seeing a neurologist and and they gave me more insight into what I was going through. They put an oxygen tank in my home. They gave me these injections that I could inject myself if the headache was going to come on. And all of a sudden, the quality of my life improved. However... It didn't come without cost. During COVID, or just prior to COVID, sorry, I went back and and moved in with the folks after coming back from a trip away and I had my oxygen tank in my room and I was going through another bout of these headaches. And it was like the oxygen and the injection they were just helping resolve the headache, but they didn't stop them from coming on. And this one particular time, I'm lying in bed, oxygen mask over my face, and I'm just breathing it in. Like I'm sucking in the 
sucking in the air. And my mum just walks in. And you should have seen her face. There are some people in life you don't want to see get hurt. And for me, it's mum. And her eyes welled up. She felt helpless. She felt angry. And she was... I felt felt helpless as a son. I was like, I wanted to... I was... Oh, I got this fucking rage that went inside me. I'm like... Get up. And it was like listening to that motivational music. The energy in my body just changed. And I knew I had to stop trying to just squash this every time it came on. I had to go to the cause of this. I had to find out why the hell am I getting these headaches? Why is this coming on? Why is this affecting me? I'm sick of this shit. It's affecting my mom. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my work. And although I didn't speak to many friends about it, I did speak to one. There was one guy that, well, there was a couple of guys, but there was one guy that really knew what was going on. He was a close friend. He was definitely the most mature of my friends. He's the guy that I sort of go to if I want to get a knowledge bomb or, you know, learn something a little bit out of my own depth. And I asked him, I said, mate, I said, you're a smart guy, have you... You've gone through a little bit. Have you heard of any ways that I I could deal with the the reason behind this? And he said, have you looked into plant medicine? Have you looked into psychotherapy? Have you looked into your childhood? And I've gone, here we go. Here we go. said, no, I haven't. And so there started a very interesting journey where... I told the neurologist the next time I caught up with them that I don't, didn't want to go on their preventative medication. I didn't want to be having these ECGs or these things that I put into my body all the time and, you know, having to get used to that for the rest of the life. I wanted to address the cause of this problem. I wanted to go back and figure out why I was the way I was when I was 16 years of age to somehow get this stupid as fuck headache when I'm just trying to have a beer with, with some guys at school. And so I made my first of three flights. And in this first flight, I did what was called psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And they give you psychedelic medicine and you'd sit down and you'd sit down and, and in front of me was four people. And these four people... One would hold space for your emotional brain. One would play reflective. One would play the subconscious part. And one would play the logical part of your brain. And what the person that was asking the questions was, who was playing the role of the reflective brain, was he would ask me questions. And like timeline therapy, take me back to my very first memory. And in that, start to uncover the things about me. And I didn't have anything dramatically wrong growing up. I was very lucky. I was blessed. My parents loved me. They worked hard. Um, I had a great brother. Um, You know, I had a lot of things that I was gifted um, in terms of opportunity. So there wasn't like some 
massive dramatic trauma or abuse or moment but it was interesting there was this part where the guy that was asking me the question said stop do you realize every time you talk your eyes dart left and then you speak and i said no and he said you look at logical before you talk every single time i said are you sure i said i swear i've been looking at this person on the right for the majority of the time they said no and all four of them just had a little chuckle and he said you need your dad's approval before you voice your opinion and i was like fuck well this is interesting didn't know how to take it to be honest with you i was like what do you mean i need dad's approval but it made sense and then i realized that everything that i was doing that i was growing up with especially coming from a relatively strict cultural ethnic background was revolved around making sure that i conform to the rules and the values of the household which is fine but it had to be done in a specific way i was the eldest lead by example never take a step wrong be the best at whatever i could be at especially in sports you know i could never bring up girls at home that's for sure even if they were ones from the same religion forget about it and i didn't know anyone from the same culture anyways i'm you know in melbourne so it's not like there you know sikh indian women walking around everywhere and it was it was something where i was just going wow how do i navigate this how do i deal with this anyways after that psychotherapy i i went back home i started to try to open up to my parents tell them what i liked what i don't like but initially you know really at the core of it i i i was still the same guy just with a bit of a broader understanding and so i said righto I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to do some more hectic stuff. I'm going to join a men's circle that was, once again, a second flight. And I'm going to drink some medicine that is well-renowned to be something that will give you a bit of a trip. And so six months from that date, I took another flight. And, you know, I'm like, I've got to uncover this. I've got to figure out what's holding me back i've got to get down to the core of it and so the facilitator with me and 15 other friends we're all in this like semicircle, and they were all men and ironically i was the youngest guy all these other guys that were there were 40s and 50s and i'm talking ceos coos like super high up people i'm like what the fuck i thought it was going to be like all these hippie dudes and it was like businessmen and i couldn't believe it and we sat there and he goes, righto, come up for your first cup. And so I drink this cup of medicine and I lie down on my chair and I watch all the other men lie down on their chair. And I go, righto, go on then, take me. <laughs> take me wherever you want to go. If I lose my mind, so be it. I don't give a shit. Just whatever happens, happens. 
the lights go off. I'm lying on the back of my chair. I'm looking up. And uh, nothing happens. Zero. I look around. My eyes are open. It's pretty dark and I can see some and hear some guys starting to journey a little bit. So I raise my hand and I'm like, guy, the, the facilitator comes over. I said, I think I need another cup. He goes, okay. He goes back, he gets a second cup. And I drink it. And I lie, and I, I lie my head back down. Nothing happens. We have an intermission. And all the guys are starting to awake out of their journey their spiritual journey and some of them are crying some of them are laughing some of them are going fucking hell i saw this that and the other some probably thought they saw a ufo i don't know what the hell they were seeing but they they, they definitely experienced something i experienced zero i experienced nothing so after this intermission they gave everyone a second dose for me, it was my third dose. And I'm like, surely now, surely like something's going to happen. I'm open. I'm doing all these spiritual things. I'm ready. Like fucking work already, you know? Nothing. Raise my hand up again. Facilitator comes over and I said, I think I need another bowl. And he said, no. I said, fuck, okay, lie back down. And to my amazement, he came back and he goes, I changed my mind. <laughs> Have another bowl. And so I drink out of this bowl again. I've had four, I've had four of these cups and like it doesn't taste good. It tastes like bark mixed with bloody butter and pepper. It was, oh, drink it and... And then I lie back down and my guts are cooked. I'm thinking, oh my God, I feel sick. But nothing happened. Everyone comes out into an intermission again. And the facilitator asks, has there anyone that hasn't journeyed yet? And I said, me. He said, right, come over here. sat me down in front of him and he said let it go and so I drank I lied back down and then I just purged massively massively I had a bucket next to me and oh my god oof. it was pretty gross and then I went to the bathroom and I had to go to the toilet that to come back and then I purged and I went to the bathroom and I was like, this is just not good. In the spiritual world, they call that releasing energy. In my world at the time, I called that having a fucking horrible reaction. <laughs> but anyways, I, I purged and I purged and I purged and I flew back home and everything was still the same. Nothing had happened. 14 other blokes went through an experience. I did not. 
And I'm thinking, what the fuck is wrong with me? I am doing some of the most weird shit out there on the planet. I am traveling a mile to go find it. Nothing's happening. I want to find out why I am the way I am. Why am I like, why am I getting these headaches? I was pretty much ready to give up, to be honest with you. And, you know, I was just sick of this shit. But fast forward with time, and it was a time last year where there was just one of the most horrible weeks. It was horrible. We, it was like my dad was wildly ill. We were pretty broke. I was working stupid hours and I did CPR on a guy my dad's age in the gym where I work and that was a week after my dad had a heart attack and the guy I did CPR on, he didn't make it. Oh. Oh man, the the headspace that you're in as a guy, I called my dad after and I said, mate, I'm so glad you're around, you know, and yeah, you know, I cried and stuff. I don't really cry, but I did then. And I tried to hold it together, you know, and I said, I've, I've got shit that I need to unpack, you know, and most of, most people would never have even known and, and that's okay. You don't want to, you know, burden people, but at the time it was just a lot and so I made one more flight and this is where it gets pretty interesting I tried something that was incredibly sacred to the to the place that I went to very rare very hard to find and it involved me inhaling some fumes and when you inhale it, your, your body goes into a state of shock or change very quickly. And this ritual was, was pretty random, but I'd gone down the rabbit hole. This time I'd really gone down the rabbit hole and I said, righto, you know, let's, let's see what we can do here. And so I arrived to this campsite early. There's a beautiful campsite. The sun is shining, standard story. You know, you can see the green mountains and the and the trees and the birds and beautiful lake with water. You got the cabins there. It's picturesque. It's gorgeous. And I rock up early. And there were two guys about to go through this ritual. Were, you know, and so I, I go and meet the facilitators that were running this ritual. And I said, Hey guys, how you doing? They said, Hey, you come here early. And I said, First time for everything, right? <laughs> and I said, well, would you like to give us a hand? These two men are about to go through the ritual. Would you like to, you know, stand there and, and hold space for them? And I'm thinking, what the fuck do you mean by holding space? <laughs> what, do you, what does that even mean? Now I know it's apparently, you know, observing and listening to something or someone without judgment. But at the time, I'm thinking, come on, mate, fuck me, dead. Anyways, I said, yeah, of course, and why not? 
and I held this box of tissues and I saw these two guys staring at me and they were both middle-aged men in their 40s about to undergo this ritual and I'm looking at them and I'm looking at one guy who's a bit chubby, Caucasian as anything, cheeky cheeky smile and he's sitting cross-legged on the floor and he's ready. You can tell. He's pretty comfortable. And then the guy on my right, who I happen to just be closer to, looked at me and he looked so gaunt. Features were sharp. Eyes looked like a cat's eyes. Razor sharp. And he was staring at me like he was some sort of possessed human. Anyways, my facilitator is like, all right, Steve, you go with that guy. And I'm thinking, oh, of course. And I said, righto, what do you need me to do? Held my box of tissues and I just looked at this guy, inhaled these fumes. And I have never seen two more polar opposite reactions in my entire life than that one moment. The guy on my right and the guy on my left. The guy on my left, the chubby Caucasian happy one, he just ecstatically blew up. He was like, how good is this? He was smiling. He could see shit in 3D probably. He was just vibing. Oh, the energy was just running through him. Old mate that I was next to looked like he'd just had the fucking Cruciatus curse put on him from Harry Potter. Can't believe I just mentioned Harry Potter, but anyways. And and his whole body just started to cave in. His fingers, his hands, his feet, his shoulders, everything just went inwards. And then he yelled out at the top of his lungs some incoherent shit that I made no sense out of. And I'm standing there, look at this guy, going, fuck, this is going to be me. He gets through this process. He comes out of it. I'm standing there with my box of tissues. And I offer them to him. And he goes, thank you. He gives me a hug. He's sweaty as hell, by the way. And then he says, I'd like to do it again straight away, please. And I'm thinking, bro, you should have seen yourself. Why are you doing this again? What what planet are you on? Why are you doing it? Why? Why? Anyways, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come. I'll come. I'll come help you. And so the facilitator said, Sure. And he decided he wanted to go into the woods and do it. So he marched from this campsite into these, into these woods in the middle of nature and there is no other humans besides me, the facilitators, and him. And the second time he inhaled these fumes, it was like I witnessed an exorcism. His eyes, his pupils dilated. His cheeks just like became hard. 
and his whole body just erupted and he collapsed. He erupted and he collapsed in an instant. It was just like the, the quickest thing I'd ever seen. And then he screamed so bloody loud, so loud. Like imagine the loudest scream that you could think of and times it by two. I didn't know what to do. And I just stood there. And actually, to be honest with you, I was like, whatever, he's working through some pretty dark shit. And it's amazing. I was like, I wonder what's inside me. I wonder what I have to release. I wonder if I'm going to release it. He comes out of this and he looks at me again and says thank you and I'm pretty shaken up and I go to the campsite and all the new people are coming through. Hi, I'm Jeff or Daisy or Sam or whatever their names are. And I'm thinking, you guys got no fucking idea what you're in for right now. Facilitator comes up to me anyways after that and he goes, a bit too much for this? And I said, yeah, that was a that was pretty extreme. Just trying to wash it off my face like, yeah, you know, it's all good. Anyways, we did the introduction and then I wasn't paying much attention and he's, he's asked for a few of us to put up their hands and I put my hand up and said, great, you guys are going first. This is only an hour later. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? So I walked down onto the grass from the campsite, peering into my facilitator's eyes. And if you're watching this video, you can probably see that I'm pretty uncomfortable, but I'm shaking now because I literally remember shaking in front of this guy going, I might turn into some completely different individual after this. And so... I inhaled these fumes. And then I lied down on the floor because I was like, I just, I don't want to be standing up. And instantly, my voice started to reverberate. It was like something wanted to come out of my throat some sort of tone or voice, and it was just murmurs. And it went like that for about 10 minutes. And then it stopped. And that was it. And I'm like, what? I look around and there's people doing all sorts of weird shit. Some people are laughing, crying, jumping for joy, and I'm just on the ground murmuring. So I go back up and we do it one more time that day. We then sleep overnight and we get the opportunity to do it two more times the next day. So I'm like, okay, I've got three more times to find out what the fuck is going on with me. The second time was a little bit more interesting. I decided to stand up. I had a different facilitator. And he's like, Steve, are you clear on your intention? And I said, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm clear. I thought into my head and I was like, right, I see. Trust. Be open. Let go. Doesn't matter. Don't care. Just do it. So this time I inhaled in. And I'm standing and I'm looking at him. And then when I breathe out the fumes, it was like my legs just turned to jelly. And I had people that were trying to hold me up, but they couldn't. And they laid me down. And once again, my voice started to reverberate. And it was reverberating a bit harder than the time before. I finished that and I look up into the sky and I shit you not, this might sound whack as anything, but I remember seeing this cloud come towards me and I'm going, oh God. And it was like this big ass Bowser demon looking thing, right? And I have gone through the ringer for the last, to be honest, for the last 12 months, but especially the last week. And... All I could do was smile. And this was super odd. All I could do was smile at it. And it got closer and it got bigger. And I just smiled. And eventually it went past. Now, I don't know whether that was symbolic in nature or not for anyone that was listening, but it bloody hell was for me. Because what I took away from that was shit happens and, and it also passes by. You control how you react. So I go to sleep that night, wake up the next day. I'm going, right, today has to be the day. This is it. I need to get that aha moment. I need to get that feeling that I know why these headaches have been happening to me. And so the third time, I go out there and I inhale. And when I'm doing this, there was a guy there that he was a, a mid 40s father and he wanted to get closer to his daughter. And I remember me and him getting super close and, and, and he seemed to have uncovered a lot about himself in the, the previous day and he was there watching me. You know, he gave me some good advice. He's like, Steve, it doesn't fucking matter, buddy. We're there supporting you. Go for it. And so I did. And I look at my facilitator. I breathe in the fumes. And I don't fall down. And it was literally like when I was looking at him, it's like portrait mode on your phone. When you go from normal to portrait, it's like you see that person in hyper-focus and everything around it just goes to blurriness. My facilitator turned 5D. I don't know how else to explain it. 4D, 5D. He was just unbelievable. The colors on him, they were magical. And then all of a sudden, anywhere I looked, magical. Everything. I could zoom in to literally the leaf on a tree hundreds of meters away and I could see it in the most fluorescent green that you could ever possibly imagine. I even, would you believe it, was so in touch with the universe that I went and hugged a tree. I can't believe that either. But I did. 
<laughs> and I just realized how lucky we are because something special created this place and I was very grateful. But although I got the visuals, I still didn't have my answer. So it's bloody hot and we've got one more time to go. And most of the people are older, you know, and I'm pretty young and I'm fit and I go to the gym and I'm sweating bullets. I'm so hot and I just wanted to take off my shirt, but I didn't want to be like that try hard guy that gets his rig out and you know during uh, a very emotional spiritual time but then I said you know what stuff what people think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take my top off so I took my top off and the facilitator looks at me and has a little smile and he goes come on down Steve we've got one more one more round to go and he did this in an accent I'm not gonna even try to do the accent he put on but anyways definitely wasn't an Australian accent and um, he goes down at me and he looks at me and he says, what's your intention? I said, I just want to connect my head and my heart. That's it. He says, all right. I've got my shirt off in these pretty short black uh, athletic shorts, barefoot, grounded like anyone's business, far away from everyone. Still trembling. And I inhale these fumes. And I stand and I look at him and he's 5D again. And then out of nowhere, it's like this whole energy surged through my body, surged through my neck, surged out of my mouth and I just yelled out at the top of my lungs, who gives a fuck? And I fucking yelled it, I yelled it out so loud. I yelled it out like, honestly, I wanted the next suburb to fucking hear how you, how loud I yelled it. And everybody in the campsite turned around and looked at me. And I didn't give a fuck. I yelled it out again. And I yelled it out again. And I was laughing and I was yelling it out. And all of a sudden, people were looking at me and they were fucking, they were clapping and they were like, you know, looking at it. And the, oh, the, the guy with the daughter that was trying to get connected, he looked at me, fucking pointed at me. And shit just was like, it was coming out of me. And it felt like a weight off my shoulders had gone off. I just didn't care anymore. And innately I knew that I cared what people thought of me. It was a big part of my life growing up. But for me to move forward, I knew that for me, not caring, especially coming from a strict Indian background, not caring as much what my relatives or my family thought or what my passions or my goals were, who I married or what I did or what I spoke about. At the end of the day, it's my life. And I come home and I speak to my parents 
man, I tell them the truth. I tell them what's going on. Unashamedly, what's happening. Now, because of some of the stuff that happened within our family's dynamics, they were more open to receiving it anyways. But I said, I'm going to do a podcast. No word of a lie. And I'm going to talk about things with other men. I'm going to talk about relationships. I'm going to talk about sex, which is taboo as fuck in our family. I'm going to talk about potential drug use. I'm going to talk about um, violence or rage or energy. I'm going to talk about spirituality. I'm going to talk about things that don't even relate to the religion that we've been brought up with. And I'm going to be okay with it. And I hope you are too. And so for me, this podcast is my therapy. This is my way of being able to speak with men around their challenges in life and the way they got through it. And this is also a way for me to express myself and do it unashamedly. And I know throughout this journey of podcasting and putting myself out there on social media and YouTube and Spotify and all this stuff, that there are going to be people that judge. And that's the point. I think at the end of the day, there are going to be people that judge you no matter what. No matter what you do or what you don't do. And so for me now, I just want to empower men to feel comfortable speaking their story, speaking their truth, going out there and being unashamedly themselves because I reckon this is a time where I feel like a lot of guys don't have the comfortability, the strength or the bravery to really discuss how they're feeling or what they're thinking. So that's my story. That's why I'm recording these podcasts called Squeezing the Plums. All I ask for, and it's so important because the nine guests that have come on so far, they've shared a lot about themselves. And it makes a difference if you, on the receiving end of this, could please do me a favour. We're not asking for money to go into charity or anything like that. We're just asking for a subscription, a like, um, following our page and and getting behind this message, allowing men to speak up and speak their truth, allowing blokes to have the therapy of sitting on this couch and being able to talk to a camera. Because the more men that come on here, the more men are going to be liberated to be able to talk. And that is something in today's society we are not doing very well. So thank you if you've happened to listen all the way through this. I hope that I've been able to shed a little bit of light into why this podcast exists. And I really hope that you can subscribe to this channel 